Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. Today's episode is going to be a solo episode where I am doing a book review of one of my favorite books. It is called Moving Heavy Things by Jan Adkins. I actually have three copies of this book in my library at home and I've given away many more copies. The real inspiration for doing this book review is that my two little boys love this book and they've been asking for me to, to read it, quote unquote, read it every single day. Uh, it's, it's a great book. It's got great illustrations and uh, explains a lot of the principles about moving heavy things. It's, uh, it's not dumbed down at all. I would say it's as simplified as you can make it. Uh, the concepts are presented really well. It's really easy to understand. A lot of great illustrations, a lot of great examples of what to do. And uh, honestly, this book has come in handy and helped me out in many ways throughout my tall ship career, but also on land, also just moving heavy objects. Jan Adkins has a wonderful attitude towards history and really just helps to get across the concept of moving heavy objects without needing massive diesel engines, massive machines, tons of electricity, all that, all the technology that everybody complains about. Uh, this book is a really good guide for getting around that and just doing things the old-fashioned way. So, without further ado, Moving Heavy Things, a book review by me. Yeah, this book, uh, well, I, I believe I got it on the Schooner Merry Days when I first read it. And I'm going to talk about a little later why I know that's the case. But yeah, it was Schooner Merry Day where I was working on one of the Windjammer uh, ships there. Uh, awesome boat, no engine. They do amazing three, five, seven day journeys out of Camden, Maine, uh, along with all the other schooners there. It's really great. No engine on that boat. Just a really amazing trip. Uh, they light lanterns at night, you know, instead of having big floodlights and, and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's just a really wonderful nostalgic vacation. So if you're looking for something like that, I can't sell the Windjammer fleets up in, in Maine enough. Check them out. Uh, go on a vacation there. It is so much more sustainable and wonderful than anything you get on a cruise ship. Now, Movie Heavy Things. So my little one-and-a-half-year-old and three-year-old love this book. They love the pictures. And they then they're learning all sorts of the names of these different tools and these old-fashioned ways of doing things. Yeah, just right off the bat, in, in the very first couple pages, you really get an impression of how this person just loves history. And uh, they have these two fellows that are sitting there. They're making a conduit, I guess, but they're they're carving it or, or drilling, boring a hole into a long elm log. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of like the way it's, it's described where uh, there was a, t you know, I'll just read straight from the book. Here we go. We come to identify weight with motors and machinery. If there's a heavy thing to be moved, a machine is called in. Its motor balls, its cylinders hiss, its wheels squeal, and the thing is moved. Simple, fast, and complete. And that's the way things are. There was a time when things weren't moved in that way. It was not so long ago, half a hundred years. Just before engines came to be small and cheap and everywhere, most older folks remember how it was. It was a time when elm logs were burned and bored out to make water conduit. And if you could step back in time to suggest that they use cast iron pipe, they would laugh at you and be right to laugh. Listen here, Basil. Fellow here says we ought to use a water pipe and cast iron. What? Iron? Iron, Basil. Yep, that's what he says. Maintains that some poor Jasper ought to mine the ore, then get it shipped to the smelter and cast into pigs. The pigs get to the foundry somehow and get reheated and cast into pipe. Then the railroad brings those big pipes to the depot and you and I'd have to manhandle them into place. Think of the human labor, all the fuel, the ship and rail and horse transport as against you and me cutting elm down the road and shaping it up and boring it and laying it right here. And it lasts just as long. Elm does, maybe longer. 
Why, that's just foolish. What about that, Basil? Yeah, so as you can see, one of the things I love about this book is it really, the, the, the author understands history and has a lot of respect for history and the way people used to do things. You know, I know so many people, they, they judge people harshly in the past. They're like, oh, why they do it that way? And what were they thinking? And, or are they just stupid? Do they not know how to do it this way? And in this case, the person's actually saying, no, the way people did things in the past was oftentimes much more sustainable, uh, very smart, and honestly pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. And uh, so they have, they have the first couple, you know, few paragraphs there. And then the author goes into the precepts. And basically, these are, these are different kind of philosophies or different things to think about when moving heavy things. So the author talks, uh, has 16 precepts. I'll go over precept number five because it's one of my favorite. It's called Applied Sloth. As stated in the stagehand's axiom, and now in quotes, quote, Never lift what you can drag. Never drag what you can roll. Never roll what you can leave. Creativity germinates in indolence. And the cleverest people are often the laziest. They're always looking for an easier way. The easiest way is often the simplest, most direct, and the best way. So yeah, so often this has helped me uh, tremendously. I like, saved my back where I was like, why? Why are you trying to lift? Why are we trying to lift this heavy thing? Uh, let's just drag it. And, uh, and then you got to figure out how do we overcome friction? And how do we keep from dragging it across the floor and scraping it up? And, and this book helps explain ways of getting around all those problems. So yeah, applied sloth. Uh, never lift that you can drag, never drag that you can roll, never roll that you can leave. I love it. Uh, number six, precept number six, the sum of the parts stratagem. Must your load be moved in one lump sum? It is occasionally effective to dissemble here and reassemble there. This usually violates the next precept, but it is a viable consideration. So this precept is actually why I know that I read this book on the merry day. Because prior to the Merry Day, I was on a Viking ship, the Sea Stallion, the world's largest Viking ship replica, uh, back in 2008. And then 2010 was when I was on the Merry Day. Now, on this Viking ship replica, so I was painting and tarring it in Dublin, Ireland for a month. And at one point, uh, the oars, you know, we had to, we had to move the oars down because the, the boat got in the water. And then we had to put the oars on the boat. And it was just me and a, a couple other, I, I believe there were young, young women that were helping me out. And me, I was like, oh, I got this great idea. And I, I, I tied a bunch of oars together. And you have to understand, these oars are around 16 feet long. Uh, and they're not light. And, uh, and so I tied probably about 10, maybe more of them together, at least 10. And I did like this amazing sailor's knot, you know, stencil halyard bend. They had it all lined up, you know, and I had these, these oars uh, at the edge of this old-fashioned stone pier, which they have in, in Dublin, Ireland. A lot of places in Northern Europe still have, and, and all throughout Europe, still have these old-fashioned piers from, some are hundreds of years old. Anyway, that's where we had the Viking ship. It was, it was There was a barge tied up to this old stone pier, and then the Viking ship was tied up to the barge. But it was about, probably at that, that tide, it was probably around a 12 to 16-foot drop, which is pretty significant. And so me, I start lowering down these oars and quickly realize, oh crap, this is really heavy <laughs> and uh, almost lost my balance and could have easily fallen or just let them drop, which, which was not what I wanted to do. So either way, it was a bad situation. I was able to get them down. I think I leaned back and just used all my strength and a lot of friction on the rope and was able to get them down. 
But one of the the young women there who was not a sailor, I believe, I don't think she'd even sailed on a boat ever in her life, but she kind of looked at me doing this whole stunt and then she just took one of the oars and you can probably guess what happened next. She just kind of took it and went perpendicular to the dock and just ran it out until it kind of naturally gravity took it down and then just she basically slid it down onto the barge. Done. Like really easy, very safe. Uh, didn't hurt the oar at all. I felt very foolish. <laughs> so so I learned my lesson there. And uh, so, well, and then, of course, I read this book in 2010. And then 2012, I was on the world's vi- biggest Viking ship probably ever. Because as the captain told me, he's like, I don't think they built them this big back in the day. But the, the second Viking ship I was on was the Draken. And the Draken, uh, Sea Stallion was 100 feet long, 12 feet wide. The Draken's over 100 feet long and 24 feet wide significantly larger a very large vessel had uh, engines actually but the and it had these oars and they were two person oars and they were huge uh, sea stallion had one person oars uh, we had 60 oars total six zero oars total and the i believe the draken also had 60 oars but you could have up to 120 people rowing so pretty pretty insane actually if you think about it anyway we were sitting there and we had, this time we had to get, we, we'd, we'd done with the sea trials for the season, uh, which I had been hired for as a weight crew. And so we were trying to get these big oars off the ship. And one of the guys, one of the sailors, who's this awesome English sailor, he's like, oh, I got a great idea. He just runs off and goes to get this massive crane. And I was like, no, 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 wait, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to get the crane. It's going to be awesome. Like, oh, I, I don't know if he said awesome. He probably said brilliant or something like that. But I was like, no, I, I, well, why he's like well i said because look look what I, well look what you can do here like you just grab one oar at a time and, and kind of move it here watch i'll show you and i just i just grabbed one of the oars and just moved on to the dock by myself and he's like well but but we don't want to do it that way it's like well why not i mean this way it's it's safer um everybody can can do it at the same time and it's really easy and it's faster and like like everything about it was better it was a better way of moving those oars and his response was but but the machine's really cool. <laughs> so I was like, if that's your only reason for moving for moving those oars that way, then no. Like, like, come on, let's just go. Let's just get this job done. It'll be safer and better for everybody. And then we'll go have a drink. So I think we did end up moving the oars my way. Uh, but yeah, it was from having read this book and having learned from a non-sailor, just break down the concept. So precept number six, the sum of all parts stratagem. Anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying uh, these precepts are pretty awesome. So there's 16 of them total. I'll leave it at that. You folks just got to check out this book. It's, uh, it'll really help you. Next section, they talk about the body, um, lifting various things, uh, ergonomics, how to lift properly. Then they also have different ways, techniques of carrying items. Uh, some of them are quite old fashioned. I mean, some of these were used, you know, used by like, like the uh, French Canadian voyagers and, and the fur traders, you know, hundreds of years ago. So pretty awesome. The author also has a great example of just using mother nature to your advantage. I'm going to try to summarize really quickly, but basically they're trying to build a stone pier and they couldn't get the schooners up the river far enough to do, to do this pier that they wanted to build out into the middle of, of the river. So I guess we couldn't get close enough to land to, to build the pier and uh, they wanted to build up from the land out into the river. So what they ended up doing was they actually beached the, the schooner and offloaded the, these giant stones, it, it looks like, according to the illustration, what the author described, these giant stones onto the side, the, the, basically the bank of the river. 
And then they dug a very shallow trench and waited. So they did this in autumn. It says autumn, 1880. And then when winter rolled around, winter of 1881, so, you know, only a few months later, uh, they they put hot water in this, this uh, little ditch they made, and it froze naturally and was very flat. And then they just slid the granite blocks up the river, however many hundreds of yards they had to go, and set them up there for the construction. So pretty amazing way of using <laughs> Mother Nature to your advantage and uh, just getting that last little bit of distance that they needed. Uh, he talks about friction. He has some great illustrations of different ways of dragging things, moving objects, rolling objects, uh, and how to get around friction. Some great stories, too, about that. Uh, he's got illustrations of boats, how to haul them out of the water, moving heavy stones, uh, ropes, how to pull on ropes, how to tie off ropes, how to belay them, uh, different types of knots that you can use. So just it's like a general, you know, all around, like, hey, these are some, some things that you'll want to know, some skills you want to have when moving heavy objects. And I, I can say that from personal experience. Uh, page 30, this is the uh-oh page because all the little kids, they understand instinctively when they see, there's a guy on a hammock and the hammock is actually uh, f pulled out. The person's about to fall to the ground because uh, the hammock pulled out from a wall, looks like. So the concept they're talking about here is that, I'm going to read directly from the book. So here we go, quote, a line suspending a weight is a simple problem in tension, but hanging a weight by two angled lines brings other forces into play. Run a cord through the handle of an iron skillet and let it hang down between your hands. So, you know, imagine that. You have a rope between in your hands and you put a, a heavy iron, cast iron skillet in the middle, um, but, but then just have your hands close together. Okay. Now, quoting, uh, the straighter you make the cord, the harder you must pull. The tension, uh, the tension the line grows and its tendency to pull over your hands grows with it. When you are lashing down a load for lifting, pay attention to the angles. So basically imagine you're pulling your hands apart and that, that skillet's going to get harder and harder. You're going to feel more and more pull sideways towards the skillet um, and, and you're going to feel that rope wanting to pull out of your hands. Uh, this concept has helped a lot. There's been a lot of times when people are lifting heavy objects. I'm like, whoa, watch your rope angle. You're going you're gonna to snap that rope. Uh, it's not going to work. So uh, just making making a different adjustment in the in the load, uh, in the way a box is carried, or or you know the position of that box can make all the difference between you snapping a rope or snapping something out of a wall uh, versus not doing that. You know, it has a couple good examples, illustrations here of that. So it's pretty clear in the book when you're reading it. Anyway, just concepts like that, uh, block and takeo, and the different types of blocks and blocks and takeo. Kind of how they work, how much uh, mechanical advantage you get from them, and then just just you know different different ways of using those blocks, just kind of creative ways of using them. Concept of levers, you know, so these are all like the simple machines. Wedges goes over different things. Jacks, I guess jacks aren't a simple machine, but uh, kind of talks about different ways of using jacks. Uh, winches as well, uh, like little things that you wouldn't think about, like uh, you, they. They have an illustration where you have a come along, which is kind of like a little little hand winch, uh, but they can get up to tremendous tension. And then it says there's riders to snub snap back. And so basically this person has taken this come along and really put it under heavy tension. And you can see a rope coming from it attached to a hook that's attached to a chain. But that rope, the person has put heavy carpeting, a couple heavy carpets over top the rope. So basically when a rope snaps, it tends to spring. And depending on the type of line, if it's nylon, it'll stretch to 30% of its length before it snaps. 
So you can imagine the snap back there. When a rope does snap, it will whip back and it can definitely smack things. I remember one time we were coming into dock and it was, uh, we were coming in, it was Eureka. It was the Eureka fuel dock. And we had probably, it, it felt like 30 knots. It wasn't, it was probably much closer to 18 to 20 knots, uh, but it was on the dock the breeze was and I was kind of like to the captain like are you sure you want to I mean I, we're definitely going to dock the boat that that for sure is going to happen but are you sure you want to do this right now but the decision was made by the captain oh let's let's get this boat onto the dock I'm like okay you know and I wasn't wasn't sure how we we're going to get it off the dock but I do remember this is one time where I, I told the crew I, I warned them I, I kind of gathered the crew up I said hey guys so we're about to dock our boat our tall ship it was Lady Washington so we're about to dock our boat uh, and things are going to happen that you haven't seen or heard before. Like, cause we are going to hit that dock pretty hard and we're probably going to break a couple things. Uh, don't, you know, there might be some crunches. There might be some sounds. We might even break something. Uh, don't panic. You know, keep your voices calm and whatever you do, do not put any of your body parts in between things that can go squish at all. Any, anything that can squish them. Do not put them anywhere between the boat or any objects that might hit something on land. And uh, sure enough, we we made that dock and we <laughs> hit a little harder than uh, than probably the captain wanted. Um, uh, but uh, there were some big crunches, but nobody panicked. Even one of the sailors told me afterwards, he's like, thanks, Johan. He came up, he's like, thank you, Johan, for telling us that. Uh, I definitely was a lot calmer because of it. But getting off the dock, that was going to be tricky because the breeze was very strong. We had a strong on the dock breeze. And because it was a pier, I, I shouldn't describe it as a dock. I'm sorry. It was a pier. It was a fixed pier with wooden pilings. Uh, so we couldn't angle out that far because basically the things, you know, there, there are a lot of, on a tall ship, there's lots of little sensitive bits that kind of stick out. And the davits, which are small boat that is attached to which i don't think we had a, a small boat with like an engine otherwise we would have used it anyway that small boat's attached to these big wooden logs that kind of stick out but they're pretty fragile yeah they, they can break and so when we were we were angling out you couldn't angle out as far as you normally could say over a, a, a over a floating dock and the captain got the boat out far enough that we could move the boat but it basically just stayed exactly where it was next to the pier so we were going sideways down the pier and then eventually like we were he was going faster and faster trying to gain steerage to get us away from the dock but it wasn't fast enough the wind was countering that angle out and then eventually of course the bow comes in and at that point you're done um, he needed to slow down, which he did. He did, but not qu quite right away. And so one of the fenders, it got caught between, you know, basically the, the it got caught behind one of the pilings as the boat was moving forward and it snapped that rope and that rope came up and whoosh, whacked me on the shin. Thank goodness it was not like a shin blow that you, you know, you're sitting there for like, you feel like you broke your leg. It was nothing like that. It hit the muscle, um, didn't even break skin. I was obviously wearing pants. Uh, and, but yeah, that quarter inch line did, did, excuse me, not quarter inch. It was a half inch line, uh, for whatever reason, I, I thought I would have been hit a lot harder. Maybe I got lucky, but it did snap back and whack me in the shin there. So anyway, long story short, I would not have thought to put carpeting over a rope under heavy tension, but it's a great idea. All right. Barrels. Ah, one of my favorites. I love barrels. Yeah, so he talks about different ways of moving barrels, on loading and uh, unloading barrels. And there's a great uh, picture of parbuckling, 
which, uh, yeah, one of my little boys just loves it. He's like, oh, parbuckling. Like, he knows what parbuckling is. So basically what it is, is you take a couple ropes, you lay them down, say a ramp or, or something, and then you get a barrel or something round, but probably a barrel. And then you pass that rope under the barrel and then back up over the top of the barrel, back up to the two people that are going to be pulling on that rope. And it gives you a lot of, you know, it gives you a bit of mechanical advantage. It also, you know, you're rolling this barrel up a ramp. It's, it's, it's very stable and very relatively easy to do versus somebody pushing a barrel up a ramp where you're limited probably to one person and it's heavy. So a very, very good way of doing it, uh, loading, loading heavy barrels. Now, uh, what we did on the merry day, I remember uh, the captain saw, a, a, I think it was a bit of driftwood. It was like a, but it was like a good looking tree. It was a good looking log. It was a log. And he's like, I want that. <laughs> I, want, I want that log. It'll make a great little mast. Or there was, there was some, some actual ship's project he was going to use it for. And why not? I mean, that, that, that log would probably, you know, what he's going to make out of it would probably cost a few hundred dollars. Who knows? So, so we parbuckled the log and that was my first experience with parbuckling. Obviously the captain had this book. He'd read this book and knew that skill. And so, yeah, the crew got together. We got some ropes underneath the log, uh, this very heavy log and parbuckled it up onto the side of the ship. Not, not all the way onto the vessel. We had passengers, obviously we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to take up deck space, but we basically just pulled it and had it on the side of the boat, tied it off, secured it. And that was it. And we <laughs> sailed around with that log for, for at least that day, if not longer, uh, and eventually offloaded it and sent it back to his place. So pretty, pretty neat uh, parbuckling. Yeah, and then there's just a couple more pages. There's a fellow being hoisted up. Uh, there's twitching where they're pulling a log where they're using a half hitches and, and a timber hitch. So pretty awesome. Yeah, great book, wonderful book. I don't know. I can't recommend it enough. It's like I said, it's helped me in my sailor career. It's helped me on land. It's probably, no, I'm not going to say probably. It has definitely 100% kept my back safer. It's kept my friends and family safer, my shipmates safer. Uh, and I, I guarantee you there have been projects that I could not have done without some of these skills. And, and also it just gets you thinking, you know, like, like before, like they said in the very beginning of the book, you know, before you go and grab that big machine and get the big crane and do all this stuff, it's like, well, you know what? Maybe there's a way I can think my way through this. Maybe with just a few good skills, some good equipment, and just some old-fashioned know-how, I can figure out a way with, with me and some friends to get a very heavy object moved. And honestly, it feels good. And you know, people, they always talk about sustainability. Oh, everything's sustainability these days. Well, if you want to be sustainable, one of the ways to do it is to go back to the old technology and the old ways of doing it. And I hope, I hope just this little book review has kind of illustrated that. Um, definitely the author believes in that. And I can't emphasize enough. Please, folks, go out. If you're at all into moving heavy things or just curious about history, this is a great little book to have. Wonderful little book to, to pull out once in a while. And I can't recommend it enough. Moving Heavy Things by Jan Adkins. Check it out. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That was the book review. And please, please uh, support me if you're able to. Oh, hey, buy my book, The Greatest Captain of the World. If you are into kids' books, if you're looking for a present for a friend or somebody that has a family member or just want to give it to a, a captain or a yachtsman or whomever, uh, check out my kids' book, The Greatest Captain of the World. You can get it at greatestcaptain.com. Also, please support us on Patreon. 
if you if you're able and can, uh, be greatly greatly appreciated. Uh, any anything would do. And uh, check out your local tall ships. Check out the schooners in Maine. Oh my goodness, the Merry Day. Love that boat. But there are many other schooners out there as well. They're all wonderful. They all have great skippers and uh, and great crew. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful nostalgic vacation. It's just a way to get away from this, you know, this modern world that's just so fast paced. Uh, I cannot emphasize them enough. Uh, so find your local tall ship. Check out the schooners in Maine. Check out your local maritime museum. Find find a nice yacht club to go sailing with and hang out with folks that have boats. I hope everybody stays safe, especially when moving heavy things. And I hope this has inspired you a little bit to go out and tackle those projects. All right, and with that, folks, wish you fair winds and a following scene.